Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So, last week, I was looking at the section in the intro to chapter 23 in the text, which is about the war against yourself. And uh, I really had this feeling to keep going forward with it. So that's what we're doing today. And I am calling it uh, Walk in Peace. Walk in Peace. So the last week was the war against yourself. This week, Walk in Peace. Well, we're looking uh, at the same section, the intro to chapter 23. And let's begin with that hand on our heart, our mind is open, we are grateful, we're thankful, we're saying yes to the fullness of love. We're grateful to bless ourselves and to bless the whole world with our holiness. We're grateful to open ourselves to infinite wisdom, divine intelligence, the power and the presence of our holiness, of pure spirit, awakened alive within us. We are grateful to say yes to being at peace and walking in peace, broadcasting peace, recognizing that it is our nature to be the peace of God. And so we're saying yes to that. In gratitude, we're sharing the benefits with all of our brothers and sisters. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. (laughs) Yes. Start with yes. How big is your yes? Let's go with the yes. Hmm. So, uh, again, last week we were talking about the war against ourselves and how to turn that around. Talking about how having an enemy, perceiving that there is an enemy, is really... Uh, thinking that uh, God could have an enemy. If God is all there is, how can there be an enemy? Uh, and what we're, we have experienced in our human experience is being our own worst enemy. Have we not? Of course, we all have. And so the opportunity here is to recognize that nothing is against us. And so we don't have to be against anything either. I remember Ernest, one of the famous quotes from Ernest Holmes was, I'd like to be part of a group that's for something and against nothing. And we can do that. We can be that. So uh, let's look at paragraph three in this intro to chapter 23. Jesus says, Walk you in glory with your head held high and fear 
no evil. Walk you in glory with your head held high and fear no evil. The innocent are safe because they share their innocence. The innocent are safe because they share their innocence. When we recognize the innocence in our brothers and sisters, regardless of what they're saying, regardless of what they are doing, we are energizing their innocence and our own. And that's where our safety lies. In our defenselessness that we do not need to defend ourselves because we are innocents. This is where our safety lies. The innocent are safe because they share their innocence. When we can recognize the innocence in our brothers and sisters, we recognize it in ourselves, and then we are safe. If everyone is innocent, of course we're all safe. And... It is our responsibility to recognize this innocence. So the innocent are safe because they share their innocence. Nothing they see, nothing the innocent see is harmful for their awareness of the truth releases everything from the illusion of harmfulness. If we would like to move out of feeling unsafe, then we move into an awareness of the truth. That's what releases everything from the illusion of harmfulness. So valuing the truth. I'm interested in the truth. I choose to value the truth. I am willing to remember the truth. I'm letting go of the false. I'm remembering the truth. I'm valuing the truth. I'm recognizing the truth. Moving into that space. That's where our safety lies. And he's also emphasizing, you know, his sentences to me are so multi-layered. So he says here, uh, our awareness of the truth releases everything from the illusion of harmfulness. So when we're willing to see the truth, know the truth, feel the truth, accept the truth, energize the truth, value the truth, the illusion of harmfulness dissipates in our awareness. Now, what he's also saying here is, Harmfulness is an illusion. It's not real. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Harmfulness is an illusion. Then he says, and what seemed harmful now stands shining in their innocence, released from sin and fear and happily returned to love. So our brothers and sisters who seemed harmful now stand shining in their innocence, released from sin and fear, and happily returned to love. And that is what we have the power to do for our brothers and sisters and 
for ourselves. To have, give all to all. In order for us to enjoy the peace of mind that comes from recognizing the innocence in our brothers and sisters and ourselves, we have to be willing to let go of our attachment to uh, the attack thoughts. And it doesn't matter if we're attacking ourselves or others. Then he says, they share the strength of love because they looked on innocence. And every error disappeared because they saw it not. So this is more to help us understand that the illusions of harmfulness and sin and error can disappear when we're willing not to see them. I've, I haven't said it in, a, in a, a while, but I used to say it probably once or twice a year. A beautiful saying that I don't know if he came up with it or he got it from someone else, but Michael Beckwith used to say, when you believe more in what you don't see than what you do see, then you will see what you don't see and you won't see what you do see. And that is what Jesus is saying here with totally different words. So I'll just say it more slowly. When you believe more in what you don't see than what you do see, then you will see what you don't see and you won't see what you do see. When you believe more in the innocence than in the sin and evil you made up, then you will no longer see the sin and evil you made up, and you will see the truth, the actual innocence. When you believe more in what you don't see than what you do see, then you will see what you don't see, and you won't see what you do see. He finishes this paragraph with, Who looks for glory finds it where it is. Where could it be? but in the innocent. So in the beginning of this paragraph, he says, walk you in glory with your head held high and fear no evil. Then he finishes it with, who looks for glory finds it where it is. Where could it be but in the innocent? So our ability to see the innocence of our brothers and sisters, their spiritual innocence, is our way to access the glory of God. He says, Let not the little interferers pull you to littleness. There can be no attraction of guilt in innocence. Think what a happy world you walk with truth beside you. Do not give up this world of freedom for a little sigh of seeming sin nor for a tiny stirring of guilt's attraction. Would you, for all these meaningless distractions, lay heaven aside? Your destiny and purpose are far beyond them, in the clean place where littleness does not exist. Your purpose is at variance with littleness 
of any kind. And so it is at variance with sin. So our purpose is not in agreement with littleness. Our purpose is not in agreement with littleness. Littleness doesn't suit us. It is never going to be comfortable for us. It's always going to be ill-fitting because it it's not what we are. We are the glory of God. We are the magnificence of God. We are the perfection of God. We cannot accept the illusion of littleness. It is our very beingness is at variance with it. Our very beingness is is <laughs> not going to accept it. So this is why when we accept the idea of littleness as being something that could describe us or in any way be congruent with us, we are going to feel sick. We are going to feel unwell. We are going to feel sick to our stomach. We're going to feel afraid. We're going to feel disgusted. We're going to feel completely unwell if we accept any idea that our God self is little, is broken, is a sinful, unlovable, unworthy anything. It will distress us to no end because it simply isn't true. It can't be true. It won't be true. It never has been true. So let's go into paragraph four here. Let not the little interferers pull you to littleness. There can be no attraction of guilt in innocence. Think what a happy world you walk with truth beside you. Do not give up this world of freedom for a little sigh of seeming sin, nor for a tiny stirring of guilt's attraction. Would you, for all these meaningless distractions, lay heaven aside? Your destiny and purpose are far beyond them in the clean place where littleness does not exist. Your purpose is at variance with littleness of any kind, and so it is at variance with sin. Let us not let littleness lead God's Son into temptation. God's glory is beyond it, measureless and timeless as eternity. Do not let time intrude upon your sight of him. And the him here is God's son. And so God's glory is our glory. It's our brothers and sisters glory. Don't let littleness lead us into temptation to see others as less than. What Jesus said when he walked the earth, what you do to the least of them, you do to me. We can remember that. We can hold that thought up in the front of our mind. What we, the, the, the thoughts of littleness that we think about anyone, including ourselves, we are thinking about everyone because there is only one.
only one. That's all. So we have to give up those thoughts of littleness. Yep. And we are. And we are. We don't have to figure out how. We simply allow. Let us not let littleness lead God's Son into temptation. His glory is beyond it, measureless and timeless as eternity. So that's true about our brothers and sisters' glory, God's glory, our glory, because it's all the same glory. Do not let time intrude upon your sight of your brother, of your sister. Leave him not frightened and alone in his temptation, but help him rise above it and perceive the light of which he is a part. So this is where Jesus is saying, help your brothers and sisters recognize the light within them. Your innocence, he says, will light the way to his, to our brothers and sisters. Your innocence will light the way to his, and so is yours protected and kept in your awareness. If you can't see the light in your brothers and sisters, you won't be able to see it in yourself. It's so important that we remember this. If I cannot see the light of the Christ shining in my brothers and sisters, I won't be able to see it in myself. If I can't see it in myself then I am going to lead a life of littleness and despair. That's it. It's not more complicated than that. Your innocence will light the way to his, and so is yours protected. This is how yours is protected. This is how our... Our innocence is protected is our willingness to see it in our brothers and sisters. Who can know his glory, our glory? How can we know our glory and at the same time perceive the little and the weak about us? If we're looking at people as small and weak around us, we won't be able to know our own glory. It's a compromise we just can't be willing to make anymore. I am no longer willing to see my littleness or anyone else's because they are illusions and delusions. I won't entertain them anymore. They aren't satisfying anymore. It's not a game I want to play anymore. Who can walk trembling in a fearful world and realize that heaven's glory shines on him? We, if we are willing to recognize that heaven's glory shines on us, in us, around us, then we will no longer be walking in a trembling, fitful, fearful world. So we have to be willing to see God's glory in ourselves and in our brothers and sisters in order to live a life without fear. That's it. He's making it very clear here. This is how it works. So the question then becomes, will you sacrifice your own happiness 
in order to hold on to the vision of yourself or anyone else as being a sinner, as being unworthy of love, will you hold on to that at the cost of living God's infinite glory, at the cost of fulfilling your purpose? Who wants to pay that cost? We've paid it up till now, maybe. But can we continue? Or do we feel compelled to let it go, to release it forever, forever and ever, and to stand in the light of our holiness, our perfection, the beauty of God? This, these are the choices that we have. What will we choose? Isn't it extraordinary to live in a world where in order to rise above the battleground, in order to rise above the fear of being hurt, of being wounded, in order to rise above the idea of being a sinner, irredeemable, unlovable, the way to rise above all of that is to recognize the perfection, the beauty, the wholeness in our brothers and sisters. In other words, to stop sending out attack thoughts into the world. To have, give all to all. To have a sense of security, be a safe space for everyone. In order to have a sense of being lovable, then see the lovability of everyone. Because we can see the lovability in other people and see beyond the things that they have done. We can see beyond the things that they have done to recognize their innocence, their beauty, their perfection. We can. We truly, truly can. How wonderful that we can. I'm so grateful. So grateful that there's a way out of hell and we have someone here in this, the author of this book, Jesus, leading us and guiding us. And it's can sometimes feel like we're blindfolded. We don't know the way. It feels unsure to us. We're not entirely trusting, but we're willing. And all we are doing is holding on to Jesus' hand and trusting that he's not going to lead us off a cliff. But we don't know exactly where we're going. We can't really see it that clearly, if at all. But just like a blindfolded person, we are willing to do a trust walk here. And to me, that willingness to trust, that really has been all that I needed. And to have that is so much. There, to me, there's nothing more valuable in this world than to have the willingness to be led and guided 
to my own loving heart, that I have a willingness to lay down my attachments to my attack thoughts about myself or anyone else, to be able to be willing to give up the need to attack and defend. And what is so miraculous is that we can actually have this transformation and change. And that is precisely what I love about this spiritual journey that we're on, that God works in our life. These spiritual principles work in our life, and we can experience them working. We really, really can. I'm getting ready to start my Stop Playing Small retreat tomorrow, and I am excited for that. It's Friday, September 9th, and that's when we start. You are most welcome to join us at the very last minute or any point. It's a powerful opportunity to do some deep, deep work, remembering to laugh together and letting go of these false and fearful beliefs. If you're interested in having a healing and do this healing work with me, boy, oh boy, am I ready to do it with you. Also, I will just mention that we've got another class with Kieran J. Gardner, Anger, Peace, and Miracles, coming up later in September and then in October. We have Finding Freedom from Fear Spiritual Boot Camp. It starts, and then in November, we have the Spiritual Counseling Training Intensive, which is a wonderful, these are wonderful opportunities for us to really do the deep exploratory work together, and you're invited to join. So take a look at all the details at jenniferhadley.com. And then Masterful Living registration opens in November, and I look forward to everything that we are doing in this deep work together. Time for me to take a break. I'll be right back. You're listening to A Course in Miracles with Jennifer Hadley, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back to A Course in Miracles and... My name is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about walking in peace. We're looking at chapter 23, the intro, and we'll look at paragraph six here in just a moment. So we're recognizing that we really can experience the peace of God. Uh, I'll I'll share with you that um, I was just talking with folks in my sacred circle Uh, My Sacred Circle is a weekly program that I have. Uh, Anybody can join us, and I uh, give spiritual counseling. I answer any question that people have, and uh, it's a group counseling setting, and it's lovely. I've been doing it for many years 
We have wonderful people, and uh, it's a, a beautiful opportunity to join together. And if you have any questions that you'd like me to answer about your own personal situation and circumstances, your life, uh, your relationships, your health, uh, whatever it is that you have going on, we look at it from a spiritual perspective. It's spiritual counseling. And uh, you may know, if you've been listening for a while, that I, I've been a trained spiritual counselor as a science of mind licensed practitioner from the Agape community since 2000. So as of now, it's 22 years that I've been uh, a licensed spiritual counselor, spiritual prayer practitioner, and have been counseling folks and I've been a minister since 2006 from the Agape community, and I now train. I started eight years ago training, eight, nine years ago training spiritual counselors, which is one of my really happy places. I also train prayer practitioners now, so people who are in our Power of Love community are in those programs And uh, it's truly a a loving, loving, beloved community. We are doing deep work together, and a whole lot of healing is happening, and it's my joy. So Sacred Circle is uh, one of the programs. I do four calls a month, and we do the, the deep conversation in a very loving environment. If you'd like to try it out for a month, get the first month free, I'm happy to offer that to the dedicated podcast listeners. And so you can go to sign up, jenniferhadley.com, Sacred Circle, and uh, you can find it on the events page. That's probably the easiest way. And... When you sign up to get that first month free, it's a monthly subscription, the um, code to use is sacred gift, all one word, sacred gift. So uh, in caps, sacred gift. All right. So we were talking about in sacred circle, uh, you're practicing, you're practicing, working at the level of the mind, turning over the thoughts to the Holy Spirit. How long does it take till you don't feel afraid anymore? Well, it's going to be different for different people because people have different levels of willingness. So it's about really being willing to turn over the fearful thoughts and not just some of them, but really to dedicate yourself. To me, it's putting the pedal to the metal, as they say. And that's what I did. I made the decision that releasing myself from these fearful thoughts, these attack thoughts, was going to be my number one priority. Number one. Everybody knows what their number one, two, three, four, five priorities are. So we, it can be caring for our bodies, it can be our jobs, it can be our families, 
it can be anything. We choose what our priorities are. So I got to a place in my life where I decided my priority is the healing of my mind. And I'm going to trust that if I make this my priority, that everything else will line up. It's like back in the 90s when I was doing my pre-practitioner studies, one of the things that I was focused on was um, the realization of the Christ in my mind, the seeing the truth about myself in my mind. And so I was praying every day to have a realization of Christ in my awareness and to set aside forever the idea that I was separate, the idea that I was not uh, Christ in mind, not the Son of God, all of that. And so I figured this is the thing to focus on in my prayers. Don't focus on changing my experience in the world. Do not focus on making more money. Do not focus on losing weight. Do not focus on these things. Focus on having a realization of truth, a realization of Christ in my mind. Everything else will take care of itself. Because if my mind is focused on truth, on Christ, on love, on what's real, how could the things that aren't real, the illusions and delusions, bother me anymore? They won't. So one of the, the things that we are doing in our spiritual practice is we are recognizing that we are not trying to have a happier dream. We are looking to elevate above identification with the experience in the dream. That's where we have total peace, where we have complete joy and complete freedom. And most of us, when we begin this work, that doesn't even seem remotely possible. It sure didn't for me. I was just trying to have a happy dream. But then I realized, hey, wait a minute. No, don't settle for a happy dream. Why settle for a happy dream? No, no. Go for the Christ. Go for the whole enchilada. The happy dream will take care of itself. There will be no unhappy dream to bother you anymore, Jennifer. So focus on what is most valuable, most important. That is where we can make it our sweet spot. That requires trust. That requires willingness. So to speed up our experience of healing, we place our attention higher knowing that everything else will be taken care of if we do that.
Again, it requires trust and willingness, and that's good because the more we cultivate trust and willingness, the faster the healing occurs. You know how they used to say that if you'd like to learn how to play tennis, play with people who are better than you. They may always beat you, but your game will get better and better and better. And the the inference is that the ego-identified person, the insecure person, only wants to play tennis with people who they can beat. But if you do that, then, um, yes, you'll beat them, but your game does not improve. In fact, your game may devolve. So... Here, again, same thing. If you'd like to rise above the battlefield, focus on developing the awareness that doesn't recognize a battlefield because the battlefield is an illusion. It's a delusion. So we think we don't have the capacity to do that, that it's beyond us, that that's for somebody who is an... uh, to some kind of spiritual savant or something, but it's just not true. It's possible for every one of us. It's our willingness to give up the idea that if we're not focused on making a happy dream for ourselves, that there cannot actually be happiness. We've trained ourselves to be convinced that happiness comes from circumstantial experiences, beliefs, situations, stuff, money. Yet, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, it's a bold move in this world to say, I'm not going to deceive myself anymore into thinking that the happy dream is what I want because I do not want it. I want to rise above that thinking and that way. I do think it's amazing, amazing that... Giving up on the happy dream actually brought me the peace and the happiness. <laughs> so crazy. It's, a, it's opposite day every day in this experience, isn't it? And I'm just grateful that it's possible for us to get to peace. And then we can share that peace. We can demonstrate and model the peace of God, the happiness is there because we're no longer thinking that our happiness depends on circumstantial things, so we're not living in disappointment. We're not living in lack and limitation. We're actually moving into the place of living where we have it. And that's the thing I notice about my life now. When I used to yearn for 
the things of this world to make me happy, I was in every moment living in the place of lack and limitation of not having, and so feeling frustrated, feeling disappointed, feeling a sense of I don't have, and that's why I'm not happy, to now my goal is the peace of God, I have the peace of God, so I am happy. Bodhi's looking at me thinking, but we could we could go out and walk and be even happier. We could play in the yard with the frisbee and be even happier. <laughs> and we could have snacks. Okay, so one paragraph left in this introduction to chapter 23, paragraph 6 here. Let's look at this. Nothing around you but is part of you. Look on it lovingly and see the light of heaven in it. So you will come to understand all that is given you. In kind forgiveness will the world sparkle and shine, and everything you once thought sinful now will be reinterpreted as part of heaven. How beautiful it is to walk clean and redeemed and happy through a world in bitter need of the redemption that your innocence bestows upon it. What can you value more than this? For here is your salvation and your freedom, and it must be complete if you would recognize it. So, can we look on the world lovingly? It's tricky sometimes, isn't it? We don't have to love what we don't like in the sense of pretending to to love it. But there's a difference between love and like. We can like things we don't love and we can love things we don't like. So looking on the world with eyes of love, being willing to recognize it is a dream, we're the dreamers of the dream. Let's not hate on the dream, which is what I used to do. I used to feel like, I hate this place, this place of opposites, insanity. But I don't anymore, and I'm grateful for that. I love the opportunity that life affords me to grow, to discover, to share, to express. I'm grateful for all of that. I'm grateful for the Germany. The Germany. The journey. <laughs> the journey. Yes. Here's something I've learned that is very valuable to me, and that is that if we don't believe that it's possible for us to have peace, to have happiness, to have a different kind of life, we won't try. We won't do the practice necessary to get there. 
because we just don't believe it's possible for us. And that, I think that's why Jesus tells us that we don't have to believe it in order for it to work. He tells us, you don't know what's going to make you happy. So stop thinking that you do. And he tells us, you don't have to believe it. Just do it. Just do what the lessons say. Now, that's the thing about doing the lessons is it's not just reading them. It's actually doing what they're talking about throughout the day. It's making those pauses and doing that investigative work inside the mind. It's not intellectual. It's really very feeling work that we're doing. Now, in this later part of this intro to chapter 23, he's talking about littleness. And one of the things that probably a majority of people do is they get this notion of littleness into their mind and they see themselves as little. They feel more comfortable being in that place of littleness, probably because of the unconscious guilt. They'd rather make themselves small and trying to hide from God because they feel that if God could really see them, they would be punished. And so there's that sense of wanting to go under the radar, feeling unworthy of recognition. I would say the vast majority of people are really not that capable of having a true intimacy in their relationships. They might be able to have sexual intimacy, but not true mental, emotional intimacy, and really let people see them. People are afraid of being seen. And so I think they generally, and this is my experience as a spiritual counselor and talking with so many people over the years, and also, of course, my friends and my experience of my family and myself, the the sense of fearing being seen is strong with a lot of people. And so we get uh, to thinking that this idea of littleness is a good thing. But it's the opposite of how we're designed as part of God. We're designed to express magnificence and to be that Christ light. And so we, if we're attached to this idea of littleness and we're afraid of our magnificence, then we're not really living our life as it's intended to be lived. So, for instance, I'm about to do my Stop Playing Small retreat, and it's just, it's not about playing big. It's about not playing small anymore, about not agreeing to the littleness anymore, not feeding that mentality. So 
working those lessons, even if you just pick one and work it for a week. Sometimes I think about doing um, a program where we just work on the lessons and we do one lesson a week. It would take years, of course, seven years, to do the entirety of the workbook. But uh, that appeals to me. That appeals to me to do it in that slow and focused way. So it's not about reading the lesson. That's that's helpful. Of course it is. But the healing comes from practicing that lesson. So uh, one of my favorite and most helpful lessons is lesson 25. I do not know what anything is for. And so... Uh, one of the things that I've said many, many times is that if I don't know what anything is for, let me not take offense. <laughs> let me not be worried about it. Let me not make uh, interpretations about it or inferences. I don't know what anything is for, so let it be neutral. Now, if you... Look at the practice part of the lesson. Here's what it says. Six practice periods, each of two minutes duration, are required. Each practice period should begin with a slow repetition of the idea for today, followed by looking about you and letting your glance rest on whatever happens to catch your eye near or far, important or unimportant, human or non-human. With your eyes resting on each subject, you, whichever ones you select, say, for example, I do not know what this chair is for. I do not know what this pencil is for. I do not know what this hand is for. Say this quite slowly without shifting your eyes from the subject until you have completed the statement about it. Then move on to the next subject and apply today's idea as before. A great help in doing this is the A Course in Miracles app that I had made for us to use that has reminders in it. So you've got six practice sessions, and you can set a timer to go off every two and a half hours, or however you want to do it, between say, 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., something you can do something like that every two hours. You've got your six practice sessions. You can, there's so many ways to make sure that you actually do it. Two minutes is not a long period of time. It's just not. So if you really would like to do the lessons, that's how you do them. It's, very, it's really pretty Pretty simple and very powerful and very worthwhile. And let me tell you another support for for you besides the uh, A Course in Miracles app, which you can find wherever you get apps for your phones and your tablets. You can find it, 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 whether it's an Apple or an Android device. We've got the, the, it's free too, the A Course in Miracles app, uh, complete, it's got all the books in it, and uh, it's, it's helpful. It's really helpful. It's free. 
<laughs> Course in Miracles Complete, that's what it's called. And then uh, another thing that we're offering is Miracle Circles. They are akin to study groups, but instead of studying the Course, we're discussing living A Course in Miracles, because that's our thing, Living A Course in Miracles. And you can get that information at livingacourseofmiracles.com. You would be looking for the Miracle Circles. You need to go to livingacourseofmiracles.com forward slash circles or on the home page, look under resources. There's a lot of resources. Miracle Circles is one of them. These are free circles, but you do have to fill out an application. And uh, circles are small groups of about eight people and having weekly meetings for an hour. There's no charge to join. You just have to fill out the application. All right. My goodness. We are so blessed, and I am so grateful to share this time with you. Ah. By the way, Finding Freedom will start in October and Masterful Living Registration will open in November. You can go to jenniferhadley.com forward slash Masterful Living right now and sign up for the wait list if you're interested in joining us in Masterful Living next year. If you'd really like to put the pedal to the metal and do this work with me, I sure would love to do it with you all these opportunities, pick the one that's right for you. Let's place our hands on our heart and be so grateful and thankful that it's a life of love that we're living and we are being led, guided, and directed to being truly helpful in ways that are powerful and significant. We're releasing all attachments to playing small and living in lack and limitation. We are finding freedom in our heart, in our mind, where it's been all along. We are already free. In gratitude, we are sharing the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, that's it for me. I so appreciate this opportunity to connect with you to join together and to remember the truth, which is we're already perfect. We're already perfect. I love you. God bless.